endurance sport, ultra running, Ironman distance triathlons and beyond. The endurance world is out there right now and it's available at the click of the button to anyone on the internet. But there is a process, there are plans, there are ways of training which all need to be considered and taken into a training plan consideration. So why is it that we do this? Hello and welcome to the Ultra Running Podcast with me, Coach Marshy. I hope you're all well and I hope your training is going well. Um, I'm certainly on the right path to recovery at the moment and on my journey back to ultra running, which is also available in a daily vlog over on my YouTube channel. So we are going to bring in today's guest. So welcome to the show, Ben. How are you, Ben? Very good. Thank you. Great to be on. Looks very professional, must say, on here. Thank, thank you very much. Cool show, yeah. Thank you very much. So, um, obviously, Ben, we've kind of met a few times over the years, um, mainly through where I worked um, and sort of in the running world. So, do you want to just tell everyone who's listening or watching what it is you do, who you are, what you do on a daily basis, and what you kind of link to running is as well? Yeah, sure. I think the last time we met was in the showers at Infinton Village College. So yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I've seen the fat man to Iron Man there. Definitely seen that. Um, no, I'm uh, yeah, I'm getting on a bit now, unfortunately. So I've been in this uh, endurance sport game for a long time. Uh, started off with rowing, really. Uh, when I was at college, that's when I first got serious. Started doing a bit of running as training for that and then met a guy I used to row with who was doing triathlon. And from that, I got hooked, completely hooked on triathlon and duathlon as well, which is run, bike, run. Uh, yeah, and uh, got to a pretty high level in that. Alongside that, I was always teaching and coaching. So I'm a teacher. I'm still a teacher part-time now, but I teach languages and some PE. And uh, been involved in race organisation, which we may talk about later. So my life is really a mixture of teaching, coaching, and that's coaching runners, triathletes and other endurance athletes as well. Um, and a bit of race organising as well. That That's the sort of sporting side of me anyway, to be cool. Brief. So um, it's quite a bit to unpack there. And let's yeah. let's kind of go through it a little bit. So. Obviously, you know, you mentioned that you've been in this game a little while now, yeah. the endurance world. And over the years of, of being in it, have you sort of noticed a kind of more greater participation generally? Certainly in recent years. Yeah, I mean, there's been both a running boom and a cycling boom. The cycling boom has been massive in recent years, I think probably since... 2012 we've seen that um, the running booms perhaps been more gradual but then that was accelerated with park run coming in and of course this ultra running which is, is taking off isn't it i mean ultra running let's say seven or eight years ago was something that people said oh that's for people who are slow and just want to do something where they can achieve a bit better because they're too slow to do any good in anything else well i said that about triathlon 20 years ago they might have been right in some ways but uh, yeah, now ultra running, of course, has taken off. Uh, I was surprised to hear actually recently that there's still not much money in it. So even these huge events like 
or very famous events like Western States and all these, they don't really have prize money. There's only a few events that have prize money. So I think I'll be very surprised if we don't see in the next few years the sport becoming a bit more monetized and a bit more professional, let's say. And obviously it's not just about that, but I think that top end tends to drive the participation at the at the other end of things as well. So, yeah, def definitely a boom throughout the endurance world, I would say. Yeah, and actually it's funny funny how you say that about the um, the sort of top end driving the, the, the grassroots end because mm. my kind of take on triathlon, I was probably in that process that you, you referred to there where that boom happened and mm. I was probably someone that went from being like a fat, overweight uni student to ending up doing an actual Ironman. And yeah. that was probably because of that boom of the of the olympics and the the interest that we had you know around someone that we both um have met will clark and yeah. you know obviously the brownlee brothers and you know that boom happened and it became something that i wanted to get involved in as just an everyday citizen that wasn't really interested in endurance mm. sport at all and then you say about the ultra world as well and that is that is starting to change slowly in a previous episode that, that we recorded was mm. with um uh, Mike Jones, the the owner of UTS Ultra Trail Snowdonia, and yes. he was very much talking about how the top end isn't there yet, but that some of the some of the bigger companies in the world are now looking to drive that a little bit. And mm. I think Ironman themselves have got involved with the UTMB. So that's correct. I have, yeah, definitely have. And I know a lot of the, I mean, one shoe company in particular, the Hoka Hoka and Oni, they came very heavily into triathlon a few years ago and i know now they're getting heavily into the ultra world so they're obviously identifying it as a growth area and would you say sort of as someone who's been in and around the sports of endurance um over the years that is this a good thing about the ultra do you mean specifically yeah, specifically yeah. about the ultra but also in general in terms of the endurance sports i think it's great in general um you know the fitter the population can be the better it is for everybody and it's a special sort of enjoyment and health that we get from regularly doing sport i think that's brilliant throughout and whatever whatever your bag is um ultra running specifically i think maybe a few people go into it a bit blind and they may be do themselves a bit of damage because they don't listen to podcasts like yours and prepare properly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's not, you know, running 50, 100K, 100 miles, doing these backyard things, whatever it may be. It's not, it's not a particularly normal thing in the sense that it's not what we're used to. It's not what society's used to, but it's also not what the body's used to. So to get yourself to do that, you've got to be gradual and you've got to build up in a sensible way and take the right precautions. So um, I'd be worried if, you know, instead of the London Marathon, we had the London 100 mile and there was 40,000 people lining up who hadn't trained properly. But I do, in general, I do think it's a good thing. And I think it's great that people are getting out into new terrain, running off road, you know, enjoying a new, a new type of sport. And it sounds like a lot of these courses are really picturesque. There's technique involved in climbing, descending, you know, getting through different types of surfaces, Yes, yeah, interesting as well. Yeah, no, I, you know, sort of echo what you're saying there about the the idea of there being maybe like the the 100 mile ultra London marathon <laughs> or whatever. Um, and you know, I think something that I often refer to, but to be honest, it's very anecdotal. I don't have any proof of this, but when I started running in 2009, doing a half marathon was considered quite a big thing, mm. and then it kind of 
progressed on to the marathon. And although that was my natural journey, now it's almost like to the everyday population that a marathon is no longer enough. And, you know, I've got this impression talking to people out there that they want, they want more, they want the next thing. And ultra running is obviously quite an obvious thing for that. I didn't know if you had yeah. any thoughts on that at all. Yeah. I heard you say that. I know exactly what you mean. I think that is true for a certain section of the sporting population. Yeah. The ones who are driven by that, desire to see how far they can go or how far they can push themselves and like you say i think as you, you quite rightly say that a half marathon is now in that section of the population anyway not seen as that big a deal and likewise the marathon and from the marathon it's the iron man isn't it and then i think from the iron man people do go into ultra running or even the um, ultra distance triathlons as well because you get these uh, double iron mans and ultra man and all that which is uh yeah, even perhaps even more crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the one the one that was particularly highlighted on the news in recent years was um, is it Louise Minchin, the the BBC presenter, oh, yeah. did the the one in Norway where you jump off the back of the boat first to swim? That's right, Norseman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that that's sort of an extreme triathlon. So it's still iron distance, but it's right. but it's extreme. Yeah, yeah. I've coached a few people to do some of those. There's a fantastic one in patagonia in south america that guy coach did yeah they really do take you to some amazing places these events don't they yeah no i think that's you know you go you end up in places that you never expected to go to but do you think the body is you know us as evolution has gone and how we're made up as humans the body is it's made to be pushed right but just we perhaps don't realize that Oh, that, that is too difficult a question for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's all, you know, people often say, you know, we weren't designed to do that or, you know, the body does this or the body thinks. And when you think about that, that's actually rubbish, isn't it? The body doesn't think, you know, whether we were designed or not, that's open to question, isn't it? Some people believe we were, some people we don't, some people believe it's all down to evolution and so on. I'm not going to, you know, pontificate one way or another on that I, I keep an open mind on that all i see is the effect that sport has what the different events do and i think the body is certainly capable of doing that and the body is resilient we see in ultra distance events whether it's running or triathlon how well women do the further we go um the more strenuous in a way the event the closer they get to the men and obviously the woman's body copes with childbirth it's maybe more resilient than a man's in some ways and i think that shows how these events do push limits but the body is incredible at adapting and as long as we don't try to make it adapt too quickly or do silly things in the process it is certainly capable of handling these things yeah, yeah great to see when it's amazing when it does isn't it yeah no it is it is when you pull it off but you know also being at various different points in my journey up and down as a bit of a yo-yo at times i've seen i've seen those highs when you complete an iron man and you can't you can't blag an iron man no one can blag an iron man like you could you, you know turn up to a 510k and blag it but you can't blag an iron man and then you know the other side of things when you start at the bottom of that process or in in my case at the moment sort of on a journey back to ultra running mm. um following injury the the lows the the end of like struggle through endurance and as you say that that adaptation process can mm. become too if you go too fast then you just end up on the sidelines injured so yeah, many factors in that you know perhaps one of the greatest ones is age so i think the younger you are the more quickly you adapt 
and the easier it is to get away with things and i think once we get a bit older then we have to be extra careful and you know as i think one of your previous guests was saying you have to one of the biggest factors is previous injury so if you have had um, a previous injury you have to be very careful when you test your body in the same way to to go beyond where you've been before um so yeah but if everyone can achieve at a certain level can't they i mean you say you can't blag it but you can do it you know an iron man you can do it in eight hours or you can do it in 17 and you're still gonna do it and it's still just as great an achievement you know absolutely and i think you know it's still important to recognize that yeah and you, you kind of mentioned there about the injuries and and, and that process for, for yourself um have you noticed that both in your coaching role and in your own journey that as age kind of progresses on are people struggling to get back to similar level, levels that they hit when they were younger it certainly takes longer to recover when you get older that that's absolutely certain regardless of how much you know fitness and strength you've got that's still going to be a slow process when you're older i mean i notice if i fall off my bike now it's it takes longer to heal um and you know if i have a cold or covid or whatever you've got to be that bit more careful when you when you come back than perhaps would have been 20 years ago so yeah there is that aspect but having said that you get wiser as well you know how to pace yourself you become more aware and conscious of what level you're working at and i think you you your body and your mind together help each other to break through new barriers in different ways yeah yeah no absolutely and um with your own sort of experience, mm. your own journey of endurance sports, what mm. what would you say the most extreme thing is that you've ever done? Ah, good well, not necessarily in distance good. either, just in terms of no. maybe like altitude or temperature or whatever. Uh, well, my fir the first time I raced uh, for a GB age group team, I went on to race elite afterwards, but um, at age group level, my first ever world championship was in duathlon was out in Mexico in Cancun. And that was like 38 <laughs> degrees and 95% humidity. Uh, you know, we got there on the Wednesday for a Sunday race and just went out for a 20 minute jog at seven o'clock in the morning. And I didn't think I could do another step, but uh, by the Sunday we were racing okay, you know, and got through it. So uh, yeah, that was quite extreme. I think the race that hurt the most was when I did a Belfast marathon. That was because I hadn't done a training run of more than an hour <laughs> leading right. up to it. So the last 10K of that, I think probably a lot of your listeners have, uh, can identify what it's like when you get to the end of a running race, whether it's a marathon or further, and, and your body doesn't want to know, but your mind wants you to get there. So, uh, yeah, I had a photo on my wall for a couple of years after that, the, this face contorted in pain as I was trying to finish that race. Uh, I've done a, I've done a, an Ironman as well, an iron distance race, but uh, that was actually all right. I actually got through that not too bad. Which one Which one did you do? This is back in the day, something called um, the Longest Day Triathlon, which was the British iron distance or long distance champs, as they called it in those days. Yeah. So was that before the sort of commercialization of Ironman and and Ironman existed, but there wasn't one in England. There wasn't right. one in England at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there were people who were already going to Kona and so on. But uh, yeah, I, I got through that and we did it on a on a bike that probably didn't fit me and uh, no no disc wheels or anything like that. Uh, but still got through in about nine and a half hours. So it was all right. I was pleased with it in the end. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's 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 a. It's an interesting sport, really. Um, it's interesting that I did one on, on a previous journey and went all the way up to Ironman and then didn't want to continue. It was almost like I ticked the box and that'll do. Yeah. And, 
and I'll move on to running. And then like I think, as you mentioned earlier, that there was this natural progression to then go, right, what's next? Ultra distances. That's what I'm going to do. Um, so that was kind of my story around getting to an Ironman. But obviously you've gone into the coaching side as well. So in terms of the types of athletes that you're working with, is it obviously you mentioned that you're doing a bit of PE teaching as well. Um, mm. So, you know, there's a bit of coaching involved there. But what sort of what is the range of athletes that you're working with mainly? It is really is the whole range. I would say that the greatest now, I mean, I don't have a huge amount of athletes. I've got a, a little group out in Italy as well. I'm half Italian and some of my friends out there, I'm, I'm sort of linked to the Savona Triathlon Club. I'll give them a shout out. Um, and uh, yes, yeyeah, so I've got a, a group from there that I coach. And, and, you know, they're sort of guys who are aiming to do, say, sub 10 for, a, for an Ironman and sort of the 40 minute 10K type range uh, and yeah. that tends to be true of quite a lot of the people i coach i don't know why that is but that seems to there seems to be a little focus around that but i've got like a wednesday night running group and and there we've got people who are you know sl much slower than that who are you know around the 25 minutes for a park run perhaps even a bit slower um right through to sort of 17 or just under as well so yeah. i haven't got any top elites at the moment i've, I've, dealt, I've worked with one or two in the past but uh I'd say some sort of top age group level right down to beginner. And I've coached someone who couldn't swim 25 meters in January and then she did an Ironman in, in the August, you know, so it's, yeah. it's the whole range. And I, I get just as much out of it um, regardless of what level they're, they're performing at. And it, it's runners, triathletes, duathletes, cyclists. Yeah, it's, it's great. And when, when you're kind of going through that training process with them, in terms of like the base training, so most people that listen to me regularly understand what I do for a day job as well. But just from your perspective, when you're when you're building up that base endurance, mm. what kind of for, for the iron distances and the longer stuff, mm. sort of how many how many hours are you recommending these guys are putting in per week at the peak level? Uh, right. Again, that has to be tailored to what people can cope so everyone is different i would not ever put a blanket amount on it i mean when i was running at my best uh, my sort of sweet spot was 60 miles a week if i went much over that i knew I'd, it'd be too much you know whereas there are other guys who might do double that you know others who might do less um so i think you have to watch people as they train get the feedback and and really see what happens as a very general thing i would say if you can't do more than 12 hours of training in your peak weeks for an Ironman, you're probably going to struggle. You're probably going to be walking part of it and freewheeling part of the bike probably. But, you know, that's a, just a very general overview. I wouldn't, you know, it could people could do it on less than that, I'm sure. But in my experience, that that's probably a minimum to, to have an enjoyable day out on your, on your Ironman. Yeah, and uh, you know that that idea that everyone is different. You know, I, I as a coach would also agree. I think you can't ever put a number on it, but mm. from my perspective, that then makes things like Google very dangerous. Indeed. Um, and I think you know, as a coach, I don't know how you do it, but I try not to. I'm not here to like plug it down anyone's throats or try and convince anyone. I will give the information, and hopefully, they apply that information and use it as as like me being their coach, they take that on board and try and apply yeah. what I say. But that whole Google thing being dangerous is it yeah. can be quite a headache, right? Sure. And I think, you know, as I'm 
getting older and uh, I've been teaching a very long time and I've, you know, I've been coaching a long time. And you see how things go in cycles and you see how different approaches become the flavor of the month or the flavor of the year, you know, and, we've, and it's very important, I think, as a coach to look at what the evidence is in front of your eyes, not believe what everybody else is doing or thinking because he's doing it, I've got to do it. You know, we've seen, I've seen it go through the phases of everyone wanting to do this hip training, everyone wanting to do huge mileage, uh, low fat ketosis thing, um, the massive focus on strength. Like if you did strength training, the rest would take care of itself. Uh, you know, you see all these things sort of cycle around. And the truth is it's a combination. There's some truth in all of it. And for some people, some things work well for others. It doesn't. And, and you have to find the right blend for the individual. And, and I think listening to your athletes is the most ignored part uh, of some of these online um, so-called coaching platforms or you know if you google a 16-week plan for an Ironman it's just going to have something there which will fit perfectly for one person but be a disaster for the next one you know yeah and no, I had a similar conversation actually this week which was around that in terms of you the theory the theory is great sports mm. science is great but that doesn't take into account you know the single mother of three who's trying to do an ultra marathon yeah. And and tries to work full time as well. That doesn't that doesn't apply to to sure. her because she can't do that. So you know we were having that it, conversation, and it was really interesting that hmm. you would just read a book or Google something, and then people take it as gospel. Yeah, and I, I think if you listen to some of the top coaches, certainly in triathlon, you'll hear a lot. Of, but a lot of them will tell you that the sports science. You know, some of them are sports scientists themselves, but the more they coach, the more they realise that the science is not what makes them good coaches. I think sports science as a whole field is not the greatest area of science. It's very, very often small sample sizes when these papers come out and say, oh, yeah, you've got to do polarised training. That's what works best. You know, you're looking at a very small proportion of people. It's usually more men than women, usually athletes of a certain level, you know, and there are hundreds of little factors there which make sports science not the greatest area of science you know i think we have to take sports science papers as information but not as a prescriptive thing and and certainly feeling and feedback are the greatest things that will help you progress and help a coach understand you yeah i think i think but you know with a sports science background myself i, I totally yeah. totally agree that the clients that I'm working with and they're getting the best results, I'm mm. taking what I've read. You know, you use that term, it's, it's information. Exactly. And I'm I'm trying it out. We're playing with it. We're, we're applying mm. it. And if bits work, we put it in. It's like absorb as a sponge and exactly. then take the bits that work for each individual is how I would approach it. And it sounds like yes. you're very, very yes. similar with that. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm very interested in, you know, I, keep, I try and keep up with it as best as I can. And I, you know, I, I love hearing about it and, and hearing how it's worked with certain people, but certainly don't, no one should take it as, as read or as a proven method for, uh, for going faster or longer. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe we can now accept that the carbon shoes do make most people go a bit fast. Yeah, <laughs> but they get people no. injured as well. They get people injured as well. So you can't win with anything, really. <laughs> no, and I think, you know, the, the one that proves that the most is if you pick up a journal and you look for conclusive evidence, you will find that, like, for recovery, sleep and hydration work. 
if you then start looking at research around foam rollers, sticks, guns, all of those things, there's as many studies that say it works that say it doesn't work. You know, there's studies that go both ways with that. Whereas like sleep does work, but that's just a general rule for life. That isn't about yeah. sports science. That's just yeah, life. Sure. But even then you get some people who will be very much more able to perform on six hours sleep than others. You know, some will need eight, yeah. some will need six, you know, hydration. You look at, um, you know, the marathon runners there. I can't remember if it was um, Kipchoge or somebody else. Or, um, no, it was... Uh, uh Haile Selassie did yeah, uh yeah Gabriel Selassie yeah 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 who you know he lost kilos in his he didn't you know he was dehydrated and yet he still kept the pace the whole way to the end you know but in, I totally agree with you it's definitely the right approach to be speaking with someone who's had kidney stones I'm definitely going to keep <laughs> keep hydrated for the rest of my life but uh yeah it, it but again you know it what works for one doesn't work for the other yeah and other people can some people can push things more than others and it is, it's a can of worms because unfortunately I find, and it's good because actually maybe it's not unfortunate because the Google debate, it, what it, it creates a discussion with your athletes. The, mm. the challenge that, that you sometimes find in a big group of athletes when they're training together is that, like you said, maybe because there's a norm and one person's doing it, it's quite hard to convince the others not to do it if that person's getting good results from it. Exactly. We get that a lot. So people, you know, even within a training group, and I think training groups are great because I think training with others can often bring you on to the next level, but you do get people in training groups saying, Oh, she's running that for 5k now and I'm doing the same session. So why aren't I getting there? You know, and it's important to realize all the factors that are going into performance, you know, not not least unfortunately genetics you know i remember the first triathlon coach um i ever had first thing he said to me 80 percent is genetics you know we can only do something with the other 20 percent. <laughs> so whether yeah. that's true i'm not going to you know put a figure on it but you know we all have to respect what you know what we're born with and make the best of it don't we yeah no absolutely and um you know what would you kind of say to your athletes when when you're trying to talk to them do you explain what we've just talked about about those individual differences Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think everyone's motivated by different things, aren't they? You know, there are people who want to complete a race, the people who want to get time, they want to beat their mate. Uh, they just want the enjoyment. You know, they, it, it's so many different factors, you know, maybe doing it for a charity, whatever it might be. And you've got to tap into that. And then the next stage is to sort of look at their performance, whether it's say in running, it, what, what is it that's stopping them getting to where they want to be? Is it the training volume is it the schedule is it the style is it a lack of strength you know there's so many different things which um can play into increasing performance now that, that's the beauty of our sport isn't it that there's always an area to work on yeah yeah no those those yeah that there, there is like the kind of like the cycling thing with dave brailsford the one percent thing yeah, you know, yeah if we improve 20 different things by one percent it's going to help right exactly and there's exactly. a lot of factors that we can take into account when we're we're coaching running or any endurance sport for yeah, sure yeah. Um, I mean, you've already got some aerodynamics going on there in your, in your head haven't you? You yeah know? exactly yeah i'm happy with that I'm, i love that it's uh it's so easy to That's train multiple times a day. There's, there's one percent on top and uh just a quick shower and a brush off and it's done but um Excellent. you know yeah i think uh i think it is important for people to understand that there are yeah. there are factors especially at the recreational level Mm. you know with with the females as well with with things like um their their cycle and 
course. how that's going to affect them. Obviously, what the elites do is very different, maybe, to what um, the sort of general population would do. And and you have to kind of talk through those things. And also, the the big the big thing that I think was really good about twenty twenty one is the the normalization about talking around the menopause as well. Yeah, and the perimenopause and and how that can affect um, women in general, but also within the sporting scene and endurance athletes. And, you know, I think, do you come up with those challenges as well? Those, those challenges there within your, your roles? I do. I don't claim to be an expert on it at all. And I, I, in those cases, I'll usually refer the women to, to certain other, you know, to others or to read, to read papers that, you know, I've seen, um, yeah. you know, I don't really feel qualified to, to give, detailed advice on that i'll just say look so and so says if she runs at this time in the cycle it produces better results this paper says that for most women if you do it in this part of the cycle you'll get a better performance yeah you know um but you know i, I wouldn't like to you know go too detailed in that just because i don't feel qualified to like likewise with um some of the strength work you know although i know a fair bit about strength and um, how to build you know, various muscle groups and so on. I, I would always defer to someone who knows more than me when it comes to, you know, rehabilitating after an injury, for example. Yeah, no, I agree. Around, around the sort of menopause and things like that, I am, yeah. I'm very much the same as you. It's all, always about a referral. And actually, it's interesting what you say there about the strength as well. I think for, for coaches, it can be a challenge, can't it? To, mm. And I, I'm a big referrer where it comes down yeah. to specialists and, and whatever, yeah. but you know coaches find that hard so i'm assuming you you always do that in whatever situation right yeah I mean, i'm ha- always ready to admit that i don't know the answer yeah yeah yeah. Important. yeah yeah i was once taught in my journey of coaching that one of the best answers you can give is i don't actually know the answer i'm sorry yeah. R- rather than the coaching blag that we can see from time to time out there in the world of coaching but i think not causing confusion among any any athlete whether they're an ultra runner or whether they're a a 5k couch to 5k it's really important to to keep that message clear and i think as we've talked through this so far you you know you've pointed out there those individual differences i think mean, mm. anyone who's listening and is trying to get through to their first ultra there there is a lot of information now on youtube and books and whatever the ultra world has started to grow mm. and there's a lot of opinion about math running zone two running high intensity interval training around it running up and down hills rep after rep after rep the the bottom line is is to be honest until you try you're not really going to know are you and perhaps in ultra running as much as in triathlon you know a a 50k are you caught i mean is that sort of the the, what you'd call the sort of the shortest ultra run yeah i I think i think that's widely accepted in in the ultra world that's very different to doing a multi-day event isn't it or or a hundred mile it's completely yeah. different bag isn't it so you know you've you've got a I, mean, I heard one of your previous guests talking about specificity and you did as well and i think especially when you get near to your event you've got to be specific whatever whatever the event you know when you get you know everyone's got different theories about base training how to periodize all the rest of it but if you're going to perform at your best in a particular event your training close to that event has got to include some specificity. And if you can get out on the actual course, like you, you were saying in this episode, and um, try out especially the, perhaps the trickiest bits of that course, then that is going to help you probably beyond any amount of, uh, you know, doing a 
20 mile run at zone two instead of zone one, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I, I agree. I think, you know, the, the whole idea, you know, social media is great. It's, um, it gives you insight to what people are doing and, and the ultra runners that I'm following, which is quite a lot of ultra runners on, on Instagram, for example, mm. there is this, this whole idea of doing a recce yes. of, of the event is becoming more popular, which I traditionally have done. I didn't do mm. it for my Ironman in 2015, but actually all of my ultras that I've yeah. actually done, I've been there before at least, even if it was just for a walk, you yeah. know, um, just yeah, to I mean, see what it yeah, looks I mean, like, really. Yeah, I mean, when I was doing duathlon, seriously, I'd where, where possible, sometimes it's not possible, like maybe with your Ironman, you probably couldn't get on the roads that you, <laughs> you were cycling in the event because of traffic and so on. But certainly I would try wherever possible to go to the course for duathlon and actually ride it just below race pace maybe three or four days before the before the race itself i think it's you, you can gain masses by knowing a course yeah i mean on my on my half iron man in 2014 that was the first time i'd stepped up to that distance and it was down in um exmoor national park the iron man branded one at, at wimbledon lake oh, hard and, one. Um, yeah. you know we got there we got there on the thursday and we went to see the event village because it was being set up. And my dad, he's never done any triathlons in his life, but he, he was quite keen that I went and did a loop of the, the course because it was a two-looper. And actually what was really funny was is I got down into this village coming off a massive hill and then yeah. took a left turn, which was a real left turn, sharp uphill. And I snapped my chain. There you go. And the best part about it was is everyone else was going to the event village and they could see I was in trouble. So someone actually racked my bike on their roof and let me jump in their car and yeah. took me back. Um, yeah. Obviously, we we got the chain fixed and got it all sorted out. But had had I not have done that, I, I could have done that in a race and that would have exactly. been game over. Yep. yep. Um, so I was really lucky in that sense that that happened mm. to me in a, in a recce ride. So, you know, and again, you know, Wendover Woods, um, which is probably a place not too many people have been, but it's where the Centurion 50 miler is at Wendover Woods right. and um, not far from sort of Milton Keynes. And yeah, Black yeah, I know, Hills, yeah I've, you know. I've, I've done a run there. Yeah, not, not a 50 miler, but yeah. I mean, it's a 10 mile loop, five laps. Yeah. And you think, oh yeah, that's all right. It's not too <laughs> hilly there. It's, it's 10,000 feet of elevation. So I thought, I don't this race and I thought, I've got to go and have a look at what this is about because it's suggesting that we're going to do 2000 feet of elevation in some woodland in a fairly flat area of England. Yeah. I thought, okay. And I went there and I managed four and a half miles of a 10 mile loop because the elevation was unbelievably hard. Yeah. And it, that specificity was, that was the whole point. It was really important that we did that. So, you know, yeah. I, I think, I think, the, the way that endurance running works i think you're right 35k basic ultra running up to 100 miles as a one day like a one day event if you like they are very different within themselves let alone the marathon de Sables or the whatever else yeah, yeah. That, that we do so yeah and in of terms of it's going to affect your equipment choice as well it's going to affect your fueling strategy so many things yeah and I think, you know, in terms of that and, and you know, all those principles of training that we talk about and what athletes should and shouldn't be doing, when it comes to the mind, 
mm. with endurance sport. What's your kind of what's your kind of approach and thoughts on on the mental side of it? Oh well, you can't underestimate its importance. That's the first thing. Um, I think when I first take on people to coach, the first thing I look for is the level of motivation. Yeah, and I would say always the more motivated people are, the better they will do. And the clearer they are about their reasons for doing the event or the sport that they're doing. Um, if you're just going into it thinking to see what it's like, just to, you know, without a real drive, yeah, you might get something out of it, but you're not going to achieve as highly as if you've got a real drive. And I certainly had that drive when I was younger and I haven't got it now, which is why I'm not really racing at the moment. Um, I'm hoping it will come back. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my drive was trying to win or trying to beat a time and you know with age that becomes less and less realistic and and so that motivation for me is gone not to say I won't race again but that's it's really important to have the mind foremost uh, I think as a coach to understand the mind of your athlete and understand what is driving your athlete is vital and as the athlete you need to Sometimes you don't have to ask yourself why. I mean, people say, oh, you've got to know your why. Sometimes you don't even, I mean, when I was racing, I just didn't even, that didn't even enter my mind. I was so driven. I didn't have to ask why. I was just, it was just a giraffe. I wanted to get better at it. I wanted to do it. And that was my all I ever thought about. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, sometimes it's that obvious. Whereas, you know, for other people, it's more of a conscious thing. You know, I, all right, I've got to get fit. Right. I'm decided I'm going to do running. Okay. What, what's my aim? Why do I want to do it? You know, and, and have a, a real goal and a motivation for some people that that is vital. And I think as coaches, we have to tap into that and look what changes are needed from where the athlete is now to get to where they are and, and to keep nurturing the mind as well as the body. So as a coach, it's about praise. It's about honesty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And about, and about listening to the athlete and, and understanding how they are viewing their sessions, which may be different to how you're seeing it from an outside point of view. Yeah, no, and I think that, that sort of answers that last section of that intro that I did before we ran the actual credits as well, you know. Mm. So why do we do this? And I think if whether you're a coach or the athlete, for both to understand why is exactly. a really important thing. And, you know, I've got, I've got to be honest, my own journey, you say you've listened to the previous episode before we came on, you said you listened to, to me talking about my journey. Yeah. But the why, when I'm successful, the why is very clear. Mm. You know, it really is quite clear. And I think, you know, you're probably saying that there with, with the level of motivation when you first meet someone. Mm. If you can really identify what it is. And, and like you said for yourself, you were that driven. The idea mm. of progress was, you know, wanting to progress and get better. That's yeah. that's enough. And that's fine. But that that idea of, the, you know, the recreational athlete, if you like. There's mm. got to be something that drives us to get up at 6 a.m. to go for a run. Yeah. Um, before we go to work, right? It can't be just we're going to do that because no. it doesn't work like that, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I heard in your case, you know, it was a, a different form of pain from what you were you were feeling elsewhere in your life. You know, for other people, it might be just a social thing, a chance to go to meet people. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. You know, for yeah. others, it just may be that it makes them feel good for the rest of the day if they've been for a swim in the morning or a run in the morning, you know. Um, but it can go right from that to through to achieving a, a certain time, which, you know, they've got written all over their house, you know, 
they yeah. want to do a, a six-hour half half Ironman saying they've got sub six plastered all over the house and that would that work every time they open the fridge it says remember what you're doing you know yeah yeah that, that's good for some people and for, for others it's just not appropriate you know yeah so you know i think we we, we clearly both agree then that mindset and the mind is is a crucial factor absolutely. when it comes to endurance sport right absolutely um yeah. i'd be interested actually to hear from from your ultra runners you know how the the mind um plays tricks on them and how how the the mental process works once you get into the different stages of ultra because you know we talk about in running associating and disassociating i certainly associated whenever i raced i was always focused on the race itself and my you know my goal and my, how i was running where i was going how long far it was to go what pace i'd need and so on i think in an ultra race that that probably becomes impossible you can't maintain that level of focus for 100 miles it would destroy you you know it would and it would add to the fatigue i think yeah no absolutely yeah. and you know i've had some interesting guests so far with perspectives on that but yeah i've got a couple a couple that i'm speaking to at the moment they're actually they're actually elsewhere in the world doing ultras right now um no promises to anyone who's listening but if we can get them on we'll get them on because they've got some funny stories about how the mind starts playing tricks when you're out there on, on your ability to even put one more foot in front of the other sure. um, and things like that. So I think there is probably, and, and and I've certainly felt that, and I would call myself a very, a very junior, junior ultra runner in terms of my experience. My, my experience is, is a set. I've done a 70 miler. So I've done the, done the hundred K plus distance. I haven't reached hundred miles yet, but um, you know, sort of, dabbling around the 35 mile and the, the 50 mile distance on the others you, there's aspects in there where the mind really did play tricks so because you, you can't even run it like you're running a marathon it's not no. even the same so no. the, the mind is it's a clever thing but it's also a funny thing because it will trick you and i think you're right it it potentially is something that, that's worth digging into with the ultra world to see what a i'm sure there's some funny stories in there as well you know yeah. people come up with all sorts of things while they're out there feeling a bit delusional about what they're thinking and you know it doesn't quite make sense so yeah no the mindset is big so i've got a couple more things i want to kind of focus on just for a couple of minutes sure. each on on both of them sort of in in other parts of your your life then so you also host your own podcast i do cambridge endurance sports podcast it's a probably a little bit more niche than yours because it's got that word cambridge in it which maybe uh limits the audience although i've noticed we've now got it's now being downloaded in 50 countries so uh cambridge Excellent. stretches far and wide obviously <laughs> yeah no i think obviously um so if the listeners haven't worked it out i'm from cambridge as well and yeah. and you know i think we because of the university i guess sometimes that that name cambridge is seen worldwide and, and is recognized maybe i don't know in, in the same way that we'd recognize harvard maybe from the american system or whatever but you know i think i've listened to a few of your episodes very interesting some very interesting people on there as well um obviously you're going through that process of, of talking to a lot of people now as well mm. within the endurance space and uh what what are you kind of getting out of the podcast world yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really sort of creating, I suppose, a, a documentation of what this city or people connected with this city have done in uh, endurance terms, you know, over the recent past and going into the future. So I've had a mixture of older and younger people and, 
yeah, it's just great to hear all these different perspectives and different stories of uh, sport. It wasn't intended to be that, actually. When I first started the podcast, um, I was hoping to do something a bit more comical, a bit more lighthearted, having some up-to-date um, you know, news and views on, on what was going on in local runs and so on. But uh, then, obviously, COVID came along and it mutated into more or less just a, an interview show and that's how it is at the moment it might change in the future I don't know but uh, that'll be good and I'm hoping indeed very soon to talk to yourself and a couple of others about the Hope Alive uh, tour which you've been a part of and uh, I've already yeah. been told I've got to mention a, a purple wheelie bin at some point so we can look forward to that. Yeah no I think uh, actually our our, um, our listeners can look forward to um, hearing about that in terms of, <laughs> of a few of the uh, a few of the guys that, that did the tour with us this time but I think you're going to have myself. Um, I'm I'm there as a tour director. Michael is there as a tour director, and then Ian, who ran, and we're all going to come on your show and talk about it. So we'll yeah. certainly point the guys in that direction so they can have a listen to that episode, as well mm. as probably hearing about it from a few of the guys that were on the tour as well on here. And that that in itself is a very interesting story and uh, mm. something that that we look to develop going forward. So. You know, that's a, different it, type of, that's a different type of ultra running again, isn't it? It is. And it's it's very about what we just spoke about mindset and the mind and understanding Ooh. why you're there to do it. And, you know, you having to basically live off four hours, four hours on, four hours off is, is kind of how it works for for basically three and a half days. So, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go into depth in that on your podcast for sure. Um, and then we're both from Cambridge and prior you can correct me if I'm wrong here. Prior to 2012, there or 2011, Cambridge was lacking any sort of half marathon or any sort of big race within the city. Um, and basically, there was a. If I look at history, there was a half marathon once upon a time. Yep. Um, maybe back in the 80s, was it? I don't know. Uh, well, I, I did one. Of the, I think I did the last event, the last edition of that, and it was 90. Four or 95 was the last one okay yeah. and then so there we are sort of 20 was it 2011 2012 was the first one so 2012 yeah. and you yeah. you you were a part and a big part of bringing back the, the half marathon to cambridge yeah it's all my fault really yeah first of all i have to correct you, i'm not I'm, i've been in cambridge for getting on for 35 years ago but i'm i'm not from cambridge i'm a south londoner right, okay <laughs> All right, so don't yeah, can't take that out of me, I'm afraid. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, I was I was organising small races, five k's, ten k's, a little triathlon, and uh, was very much aware that the city lacked a half marathon. So I formed a little um, steering group, if you like, and we tried to get a half marathon off the ground. But there was a lot of resistance from the councils. I think race organisers throughout the world will know what it's like dealing with local authorities sometimes it can be good sometimes not so good and uh, eventually things changed eventually I got to a stage where I was meeting with the council and we got and they were basically approved the idea but they said this is Cambridge we can't have one of your little events we've got to have a, a massive event so uh, I then went and spoke to one step beyond just OSB they're known as now and because I'd done some of their duathlons and triathlons and uh, turned out that one of their partners there was also moving to Milton just near Cambridge and uh, brought them in and we got involved and uh, I'm still 
just as involved now. Um, I live for a week on Midsummer Common basically every year, and throughout the year, there's bits and pieces that need doing. And uh, yeah, we've grown from a couple of thousand runners up to twelve thousand in in the eleven editions that we've now had. Yeah, so um, twenty twenty two was the eleventh edition. That's correct. It was the first one that I didn't do. Oh, really? So yeah. I did the first ten, and I, last October twenty one. Um, due to the pandemic, actually, Cambridge was unique because it got a 2020 race in literally yeah, week, one week before, yeah, lockdown. one week before lockdown, yeah. and then it managed to get an October 21 event in. So it actually did continue its continuation of running every year. Um, was there, to your knowledge, is there many of us that did the first ten? I don't know. I can probably try and find out. There are oh. not many, certainly not many. I've met one or two people who have told me that they've done every one, but there aren't many. Yeah, no, and I'm, I missed many. this year for injury and I was gutted. Yeah, I I was think gutted. You, were, you were talking about maybe trying to do a, a special medal or something for people who've, who've done every one. Maybe when we've yeah. done 20, we'll do that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm like, there's no, we need a, a legacy scheme like Iron Man, don't we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, that's all changing with UTMB as well in the ultra running world. So, you know, it's, it's, it's good, but you know, in terms of being in, on board with a big event like that, is it um stressful process? Yeah, uh, we've had a few <laughs> stressful moments, uh, not least the year when uh, Cambridge was under a few inches of snow on the Friday night uh, before the race and everyone was saying, you've got to cancel it, you've got to cancel it. And uh, of course, on race morning, the snow had melted and it was perfect. But uh, we were very close that year to, to having to call it. And then, of course, you know, you get medical emergencies, but we have a great team and it's we've learned over the years how to provide the best medical care. So, uh, you know, that can, that can be stressful route changes you know road work suddenly appear on your route in the day in the week of the race that sort of thing yeah but so it can be stressful but it is again very fulfilling as well yeah and now we being the uh the runners we get to run through king's college and through yeah, Jesus and college Jesus. And, yeah you know it's quite um it's quite unique now i would say it's uh so it certainly represents the the prestige of cambridge university as well yeah, I mean, I think you've probably seen the pictures. Hopefully you got some individual pictures of yourself running through yeah. King's College. I think they're pretty unique, aren't they? Yeah, no, they are. And, you know, you don't you don't get too many races with something like that in the background. You know, that, that isn't London Marathon or New York Marathon or whatever. You know, this is this is a well-known sort of chapel and it's a great picture. You know, yeah. that, that photographer sitting there is getting some great, great photographs. So, yeah. No. I need to point out, actually, that I've won every every edition because I've been the lead bike on everyone. Oh, have you? You've been the lead bike? <laughs> yeah, my running's not quite that level. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So I can still say I've, I've crossed the line first in, in, in every edition. So who, who won the 2022 event? Oh, my God. Right, I've got to put my brain in gear now. Uh, it's a South African guy. Um, right. what's his name is it something like uh, i'm gonna have to look look his yeah. it, was, it was great because the in october it was a local guy called jonathan who um who won it and he was so humble crossing the line you know he just said oh yeah i'm really pleased with that this guy who won this year he, his, his arms were up in the air he, he kissed the tarmac he was uh, posing yeah. for every camera around so again it just shows the difference between people you know and how, how different things mean different things to, to whatever yeah nick i think his name i can't remember his surname now. yeah no i know i know i know of jonathan in fact 
I saw Jonathan very recently at um, a local local intra club league last you know last night actually the night before we recorded this yeah. and um, I saw him and he sort of just uh, he sort of just looked at me and he said I recognise you I think are you the boom guy and that's all he said to me and uh, I know exactly what he meant and exactly why he meant and actually if people tune into your podcast with us you might find out what that is but um, yeah so he, he's a very nice guy I think and uh, hopefully I'll get to chat to him at some point as well um, yeah. on the show so excellent right I so, accused of, uh, just focus on the men because had a great women's race as well um, and this year and uh, again i've forgotten the name of the, the girl from tunbridge who, who won the women's race and georgie shreening another local girl she was uh, she was second this year and we've had a you know real good field in the women as well so that's just as important as the men obviously yeah i think we had another local girl come and try a first half marathon stepping up from from sort of five and ten k currently yeah. training in the states holly 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 Archer. Yeah, yeah, she was she was third, I believe. Yeah, 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 and um, yeah, I've met Holly a couple of times, and yeah. we've had a chat about certain things, and you know, she's obviously looking into to longer distance events as well. So that's good news. Yeah, you know, it, it, I don't know if that was part of her process, but you know, speaking to a few people after, I haven't actually asked her yet. But yeah, you know, she was definitely leading in the, early on, and I think she faded a bit, but uh, still pretty decent. It was good to see, actually, because I, I kind of knew her as the indoor British champion. Mm. That's kind of yeah. how I met her. Um, mm. But that was about that was about it. So then to see her at a half marathon was yeah. was great because obviously being endurance based people, we want we're a bit biased towards the longer distance stuff. Well, I am. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, no, the Cambridge half has been a a great place for me and and my running club over the years so far. And. Yeah. Long may long may it continue, Ben. Long may you. Yeah, continue. I mean, going back to what you're saying, I think we're going to see that a lot more. We've certainly seen it in triathlon. You know, a lot of the top Ironman triathletes are now ones that started at shorter distances, and I think in the ultra world as well. Uh, I don't know the names of these guys, but I was certainly reading and hearing about how some of the top runners are ex-track runners now who are dominating in the ultra world as well. So, you know, you can't uh, that. That natural speed helps even when you're doing a, a hundred miles, doesn't it? If you've got it, yeah, no, absolutely. Hurt. You know, yeah. things like things like uh, the power they can create and things like that. You know, mm. it all makes a difference. I think when they're uh, when they're on the long distance stuff as well. Sure. So, quick question to finish off with, then. Yeah. If you were going to give someone sort of maybe three top tips that wanted to get into maybe ultra running or endurance based running, you've kind of mentioned a few things as we've gone through, but. What would you say your sort of top tips are to someone who's getting involved in long endurance based events? Learn as much as you can about what you've let yourself in for. So find out who's doing it, why they're doing it, what the event actually involves. Build into it gradually. Don't be in too much of a rush. Talk to people who are doing it. If you can find people to train with, better still. You know, if you don't like them, you can always drop out again um yeah and and prepare yourself properly for whatever event you've chosen for don't be in too much of a hurry like i've just mentioned look into every aspect that can get you there and get make the, the experience enjoyable all the way because if you're not enjoying it you probably do that one and then you won't do another one will you so uh, yeah. yeah enjoy it from the start take it one step at a time learn as much as you can about the event yeah, and then obviously beyond that, there's a lot. Then all the other things come in, like training structure. Maybe you want a coach. You've got to think about your fueling or equipment, all the rest of it. But before you get to any of that, enjoy it, 
be informed yeah and, and respect what it is you're going to do and do it build into it fully aware of what it is you're going into yeah no great advice that absolutely great advice so ben thanks very much for coming on the show we really appreciate absolute having pleasure. you on the show um actually fantastic if people if people want to sort of follow you and, and look into what we mentioned um where can they find you yeah so probably the best places to find cambridge endurance sports podcast on facebook i'm not as good as you on instagram but it's there i think it's maybe at cam endurance sport something like that but i think they'll find it um, yeah yeah and of course the podcast is there on um itunes and spotify all the usual platforms brilliant brilliant so um thanks for coming on the show once again and uh if anyone who has been listening today found that interesting please do um share that on with anyone that you think might get some benefit from it and um hopefully if if there's some points in there that you've got questions on you could always get in contact with myself or ben and we can we can maybe yeah, happy, happy to answer to. any questions always happy yeah no excellent excellent so guys that's another show coming to an end but i hope you enjoyed yourselves and i very much hope you could give the podcast a rating so guys just go to whichever platform you're on give us a little star rating and also give us a little comment or review if the platform allows you to but um for now i hope you enjoyed yourself and I hope we can meet here again to discuss more on the Ultra Running Podcast with me, Coach Marshy.